Hey, this is your Aunties Could Never, a podcast where you get to hear from your favourite aunties who have all the real talk with our thoughts on what's going on in the world. We'll be reminiscing about what it was like back in our day, and most importantly, we'll be helping you sort out your daily dilemmas with advice only your coolest auntie will give. I'm Auntie AK, and I have to say that unfortunately we've lost an auntie. Um, Auntie Sarita won't be able to join us anymore because she's got too many commitments, being a badass auntie, doing loads of things, and it's just too much to fit in, which um, we fully understand. So we'll say bye to Sarita, but we will be having some special guests that we won't talk about now coming (laughs) soon. So that aside, I am joined by my usual homies. Hi. Hi. I'm Auntie Farah. Hi. (laughs) I'm Auntie Nana. And I'm Auntie Sade. What have we heard, girls? What have we heard? This is not like really in the news as such, but it's a story that I think is floating around on like WhatsApp and those types of scenarios. So Amazon are currently selling a book and it's called 10 Little Niggers. And it's currently on Amazon for like 250 pounds. So my sister sent this, like a link to this in the family group and we were all outraged and then we all kind of like reached out to them differently when you go onto the page to leave a review it doesn't let you leave a review because it says due to the content of this reviews are limited Mm? yeah or reviews are being reviews are being screened for uh real buyers that's what it says yeah so then you had i had to contact them through the online chat long story short during the course of the online chat the woman was like oh yes i can see that's really bad and i can see the other comments say that it's bad However, um, I can't just remove it. We've got to kick it up to the business department to see how they feel about the content and whether or not it can be removed. So my thing to you is this. Do you think if this was a book about another race being called a derogatory term, this would be their stance? Because I personally don't. Be good to do like an Amazon search and see what other kind of um, books are available to have actual legitimate stats and facts. Because my assumption is, if it was any other group, my mind goes to um, an LGBT group and it goes to maybe Jewish group and even a Muslim group. I could imagine that that should be locked down. But it goes back to the things that we regularly say about racism as it applies to Black people isn't taken seriously unless they're absolutely forced to reckon and deal with it. I mean, the fact that it has to be escalated when you, everybody knows that the N-word is the N-word for a reason. I don't know. I'm tired. I don't even have energy for it because what I am going to do is Google that book and complain. I think we have to all put in our complaints, which is annoying, but because shouldn't, it shouldn't be available. However, I have had some people say that these things shouldn't be erased from history because it's good to know what they were doing and how they were. So it's a part of our history. However... How do you document something without removing it? But I, I, it shouldn't be for sale on something like Amazon, for sure. Is it like an artifact? Or it, are there many of them being sold? Is it one just being sold? Because I don't, obviously, I don't agree that they should be selling them in that sense, kind of thing. But I just wonder what the loophole is for this to be able to exist. I think that's, that's what I'm wondering, kind of thing. Because if it's like, a historical piece or something that's the way that you can get around some of these policies and then people can you know have their I don't know what to call it racism kicks I just don't I don't don't know what to call it but um do you know what I mean they use some of these loopholes so I think like it'll be interesting to know 
how it's being sold or how it's being positioned to um, Amazon. And I think, yeah, they could do a lot better at, at kind of shutting things like this down. And I agree with Auntie AK at the end of the day, if there's any kind of other group, it'll be shut down in a minute. Yeah, and there wouldn't even be a process, really. You know, they'll just be shut down. Like, I do remember discussing this book a few years ago, and I'm just rereading over the whole thing. So it is an Agatha Christie novel, and it's a crime novel as well about 10 black people or they could be Indians it wasn't quite clear being snatched and it has had a number of different titles so I think the reason why on Amazon it's so pricey is that in its incarnation as 10 little niggers that's like a collector's item now because the Mm. title was changed and then it was called and then there were none and at one point, it seems like it was like 10 Little Indians as well, it was, it was called. So I think that's the reason. I, you know, I'm on, I wouldn't say I'm on the fence, but I am a bit like, okay, so you remove it because it has the word niggers, but we don't do that with music. So it's like, that was a term that was used at that time. And it's a term that's used now. It hasn't been erased. I feel like I'm not that offended because of the historical context. Yeah, I'm just not offended. I mean, for me, yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. It has been changed because they made it into a film. And when they made it into a film, people kicked up such a fuss about it that they changed it to 10 Little Indians, which is also equally, equally yeah. offensive, <laughs> by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, the book came out in 1939. Now, people knew in 1939 that the word nigger was a derogatory term. I'm not saying they weren't saying it, but people knew in 1939 that it was a derogatory term. I understand and agree with you to a certain extent about music and who is saying it. However, the people that are saying it in music are black, rightly or wrongly, and they're, tr- they're using the word, what do they say? They're, they're, re- they're um, redefining the yeah. word nigger. And I agree, there's far too much of that word out there anyway. But the fact that it is on such a platform like Amazon, to me, I find offensive because if it was any other group, it would not be on there. It's the fact that, we are complaining about it and showing them that this is wrong and they're just continuing to sell it or, or they're not even saying we'll pull it down. They're like, we'll investigate whether or not it makes business sense. Like, come on. That's nonsense because if it was 10 little gay boys, they would not have it on there. They just wouldn't because that is offensive. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm in that space. Maybe because I've already discussed it. So I feel like, oh, what else can they do? Um, I was reading the... <laughs> the comments of happy shoppers. What a title. We should all hold hands and around the Palace of Westminster and lament this shameful act of social injustice or we could get a life. Anyway, great book. And it's full of five-star <laughs> reviews. Replace my grandfather's lost version. One of her best. I've never forgotten reading this as a child. So there's a bunch of, there's, there's a supply and demand for this that I have to laugh because it's just like there's generations and generations of people that don't give a shit and call us snowflakes and bleeding hearts for even being upset which i'm not saying is right it's just amazing how we're not allowed to even be indignant in that space like the people are like don't be silly little nigger you can laugh along it's a great yeah. little book about 10 little niggers and i enjoyed it as a child so shut the fuck up um i just literally jumped on a, a history the history website about 10 things about um agatha christie and number eight says the Anti-Defamation League protested her portrayal of Jews. Christie's works are filled with derogatory references to, toward Blacks, Asians, Italians, Native Americans, and Arabs. Jews wow. don't fare well either. 
Christie generally depicts him as hook-nosed and money-grubbing. At one wow. point, anti-defamation league penned a letter objecting to apparent anti-Senatism. Though the letter was reportedly never shown to her, it prompted her agent to give permission to her US publishers to delete any distasteful passages about Jews and Catholics. Christie's defenders dispute the racism charge, claiming that although some of her characters use racial epitaphs, these characters tend to be portrayed negatively overall. Now, I don't have enough knowledge of Agatha Christie's content because I freaking hated her stuff yeah. in regards, to, especially when on, you know, back in the day we only had four or five channels and then you'd be subjected to watching this long Agatha Christie drama play out on TV. <sighs> freaking hated it. So it's interesting that the Jew-ish coalition were able to be like, look, get rid of that, get that shit deleted. However, racism, as we've said, is left alone because it's not strong. And we don't have the Anti-Defamation League for Blacks that have enough power. So it just goes back to power structures. So that was really upsetting to hear because I used to like Agatha Christie. Oh, really? <laughs> Agatha, Agatha Christie Pyro. What? It was a great show. Oh, I loved that show. hours. <laughs> I hated. I used to love it so much. I mean, it just goes to show you can't like anyone. You just can't like anyone or anything because they're all bigots and races and all that kind of stuff. Like, everything from the past is just so tainted. I hate it. Christie based this book on a poem with this ditty. Ten little niggers boys went out to dine. One choked itself and then there were nine. Two little nigger boys sitting in the sun. One got frizzled up and then there was one. One little nigger boy left all alone. He went out and hanged himself and then there were none. Wow. So basically it's saying that she based the book on that poem. Are there 10 black men or boys in her story? Are they victims? Are they criminals? What's the outcome of that story? They are victims. It is like 10 people basically go missing in her crime story. So they're like plucked one by one by white people. It says white hands and it's a detective novel on what happened to them. But it does say, it does say that the title has nothing to do with the book. It says that it was basically pandering to crude and vicious racial stereotypes, which makes it worse for me. Why is that okay? I'm not surprised that things like this are becoming more popular because it seems like, especially in the States, it seems like we're on the edge of a race war, man. I don't know. It's just disappointing again like that these kind of things still exist and our feelings or our position is just not taken into consideration at all there's no care given to us to be honest the title you know if it's changed then they should publish the one or have the one that's changed you know what I mean like something like this that's why I'm interested in if there's multiple copies I'm kind of in the middle between because I do understand that you know these things exist but there needs to be like more care and caution put into like how they're displayed. So it looks like the copy in Amazon, um, it's the, and there were not, and then there were none copy. The one that I can see, there might be other pages, two used, two new, one collectible, mm. six used, one new. So one new from 285, so it's still publishing. <laughs> <laughs> or it does actually doesn't mean that it could have been one new and no one's used it. One collectible right. 40 pounds, two new from 449 pounds, to use for £449. I don't know if, you know when it comes to our history and our shit, it's such a fucking yoke around our neck. You know, the people that don't believe that slavery even happened. There's those mm. people. <laughs> and say it's just a control thing, um, which it has worked as a control thing regardless. It's something that we wear on our fucking shoulders. Everyone's burdened with it. I'm wondering what would happen if we were to get rid of everything to do with that slave colonial past, burn it all. What would be left and what would we do? And how do we teach the new generations to 
hold their head up high and keep it moving without this thing that has followed us. It highlights that trading on black pain and outrage has been used for so long to sell products. Yep. Mm-hmm. And to think like, actually, so you use this title, there was an outrage back then as well, but it sold. So it sold, uh, I think today, 100 million copies worldwide of this novel. And like, so it doesn't change. It's the same type of formula. I don't think H&M got it wrong. They knew what they were doing. I think Pepsi knew what they I think absolutely each brand, you stamp your path in the controversy because you're just again, being involved in just selling commerce and you're using black outrage to sell your products. Part of me is firmly that I wish we would ignore it because then they wouldn't be able to trade on us. And I feel that the, um, the contrast that they have presented with the Jewish story and actually when there's something that's anti-Semitic and it gets shut down, is also all a part of us reacting more like, but they wouldn't do it to Jewish people. It's the same type of thing. It's all, it's all the tools in the kit to amplify black rage, to sell things. And once we actually really collectively wake up to, we're not going to be used like this without our egos getting in the way of, but if we don't do anything, they're gonna keep on doing it. No, we actually need to think they keep on doing it because it sells. And once we stop, let's just try not to be rageful about it and see if that shifts it. It's a big ask and I'm not even saying I could do it myself, but I feel like it's a conversation to be had because look, this is like 1930s and they were at it. I do agree with you to some extent, but I just, I think it's, it's like an ideology. It's aspirational, but because we're multi-layered, we're multifaceted, we all have different experiences, how we're all going to react to this one thing is always going to be different. So I just think it's really impossible to kind of get everybody on the same plane. But I, I see the cycle. I just, even on a personal level, I don't know how to get out of it because it's actually triggering, you know? And it's like, you can't, continuously repress that repress it repress it because then that gives its own side effects as well i'm a true believer in like feel what you're feeling do you know what i mean and speak on what you're feeling and stuff but i can see how that can be problematic at times as well i feel like that's what is being traded on though is precisely that the feeling what we're feeling is food in some way they are doing this perpetually in different ways to get this mass kind of response to things and then if we were just like okay I see you I wish there was like a mass shutdown or collective retreat so that it's really like we're just not participating you can try everything you can show us black bodies hanging you can do all of that but we are like we see you now we're not going to be out on the streets protesting it's not going to work the game's up that bigger shift on the back of that, I'm going to have to lead into my um, news story because it plays into this whole thing. And I'll try and find a remix of our response to it because it is the, in, it's, it's this. It happened a little, maybe a week or so ago, the African hairstyle that was redubbed by Sky News as a coronavirus hairstyle. So, I mean, and the thing is, and it is exactly why I didn't bring it up the other day, was because of this feeding into this thing where they say some bullshit and trade on our reaction. 
So you, obviously we all know, we all, we all know about the threading hairstyle, but specifically mm-hmm. this East African um, tradition is called the Isi Oru, and it's an East African version of it where it's just threaded and outward. So to me, in the worst comedic light, okay, oh, it looks like the corona bug, okay. But for a platform, a media platform to then say, look, this freaking traditional hairstyle that's been around before you not even were Sky News, before TV isn't even invented, that you're going to redub it and call it the corona fucking hairstyle. It got people's backs up. And I suppose the responses have been things like stop trying to include the ridicule of African people's thought process and culture by misrepresenting a piece of their culture. This is from someone called, on Twitter called Rufa Oshuva. And also John Boyega reacted and called them dumb. Like, you know, he likes to speak out. When he gets vexed, he cusses everybody. So yeah. he cussed them as well. And he's like, don't be dumb, basically. Like, don't take the piss out of our stuff. So maybe what I want to ask have we done enough to protect and respect the hairstyles that we maybe found embarrassing as a child or as black people that we didn't really respond to? Have we done enough to protect them and have them celebrated not as fashion fads, not because Beyonce or Rihanna did it on a fashion shoot, but actually, because I don't thread my, I never threaded my daughter's hair because I was carrying the weight of hating it when I was a child because it caused so much embarrassment. But maybe, apart from it being time consuming, you've got to have a skill to do it. Maybe I should have done that. Maybe we should do more with our children to let them get in touch with and embrace certain things that we find embarrassing because of the connotations that society has put on a lot of African and Caribbean traditions? Yeah, in part, definitely. Having a real pride in our identity. And I think that shift is definitely happening. I mean, it's not like I've seen many little kids now having that Fred hairstyle. I actually haven't seen it about for a while. But that's probably because a lot of the little kids that are around now are of second generation so we do have those war wounds that we're walking with and so we wouldn't put that on our children but maybe we kind of should actually um not that that would change any of this like i i i saw that story and was like that is a bunch of journalists having a jolly there's no way you didn't do a pictorial search and hadn't seen that like you only have to go on Pinterest and you'll see that from 1800s pictures, sure. right? you'll see that hairstyle. So you're just poking fun. Like again, it's like stoking a fire. And I think we really have to start thinking, why are they forever doing this to us? Even in a pandemic, why are we the bait and actually be like, no, we're not going to be the worms anymore. This one for me was much easier to kind of just shrug off. Do you know what I mean? Because I just don't subscribe. I just don't subscribe to it at all kind of thing. I run a hair brand called Natural Style Story and we kind of like celebrate, you know, all different types of black hairstyles on a daily basis and stuff in a way to kind of like show people that, you know, this is this is what we look like. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And uplift our audience and community and stuff. I would like to think that maybe they thought that that comment could be a flippant thing that maybe wouldn't necessarily be um, picked up in the way that it was picked up, like so negatively, right? Because I don't know, I just think they're just not clued up. Like you can't really get away with saying things like that now. I'd be surprised if, you know, that people haven't found out, you know, the journalists and where they live and like what they do and (laughs) make complaints. I think in a sense that we are 
protecting those hairstyles and I think that maybe our generation were more embarrassed of those things because we weren't the norm and we didn't see ourselves like greatly reflected in society but the generations coming up they definitely see themselves more do you know what I mean they had definitely have more access to images and and have themselves reflected back I think you are seeing much more acceptant I just don't subscribe to it this lazy lazy journalism is actually it's laughable. That's the way I see it. I think it's just laughable. Yeah, they definitely knew what they were doing. They did it for likes, as I like to say. I mean, even the fact I think they refer to Africa as a country and not a continent. Yeah. It's just, come on, like, how long are we going to do this? I don't feel like every single thing we need to sing and dance about, but I do feel like every now and again, so people just need to be told, look, we know, we know, we see you, like Auntie Nana said, but there's no harm in saying that to them. We see you here. Your journalism is lazy. You're trying it. Like, stop it, innit? We can see what you're doing. Which is what um, I think John Boyega retweeted someone's um, response to it as well. And that's basically what she said. She was like, this is lazy. We, you know what you're doing. Stop trying it. And I, d- I don't know if I agree with that. Um, we should just all be quiet completely. Because I feel like we were there before. We were all quiet. <laughs> And we've had to fight to get certain things done. So I don't know if we should necessarily go back to that. Um, And in terms of embracing hairstyles and stuff like that, I think we are in a good place now where us as black people are 100% more embracing our natural states and our natural styles and, you know, the versatility of our hair and our types of hair and all of that sort of stuff. So I'm, I'm very glad that we're in this place now where we don't all have to have straight here unless we want to i'm very glad of being in that position now and being able to show my daughter whose hair is much more of a looser texture than mine but i you know she sees me in all my different states of hair and she sees her aunties and stuff like that and i think it's quite nice for the kids growing up now to see that and to embrace that i think the silence is about picking and choosing battles but again as I think Shade said you never know who's going to react to anything I think Auntie Nana and I have had many conversations in groups that we've been in in regards to who has the right to be offended at what how can you tell somebody how they should be offended about something because you might be offended about something and I'm not and then vice versa so it is hard to monitor and I think they should be called out but there has to be an element of I don't know how you do it but in the calling out, it's like, we don't care. Just know, we just know that we see what you're doing and it's just bait and you look dumb. We have to turn something about our rage into a ridicule because whatever we do is so valued and so rated. We make everything, it so, seems so like, simplistic and cliche to say, but black people make everything cool and valid. Mm. They, they pass shit through our lens. Even when they totally ignore us, they want it some sort of, we, they know we'll validate in some way, shape or form. So I think it's a matter of how do we call them out? And again, even then, it's all right to say it hurt or it upset us, depending on the extremity of it. But also it's like it turned that into ridicule where they feel like it is about turning inward and not giving a fuck about them. But it's really hard not to give a fuck about them because on any given day, something cuts deep. I don't know about you guys, but I was definitely very young when I had the realisation that, you know what, we make things cool. You know, that everyone is actually trying to be like us. Like, and I remember being in the playground in primary school and, like, um, this girl, a white girl, she was tanning. And she, she, you know, she kept on standing in the sun and everything like that. And I was just like, I don't even know, maybe in a really simplistic way, but I was just like, oh, you're just trying to be like me. And I think, like, if you apply that 
thinking, even as, as simplistic as it is, it kind of shifts everything. I do honestly feel like we're the creators of everything. That's just how it is. And the fact that the powers that be in the systems in place are there to oppress us on a daily basis really just shows how powerful we really are. I think if, if you're doing anything, that's what we should be instilling into the youth. Do you know what I mean? That's what needs to be like in their you know, consciousness from a very young age. Yeah, definitely. That is it. It is going inwards. It really is about building self up. Because I think the more you know yourself, the more you're not going outward for validation. And then it doesn't cut as deep because you're able to see that at every turn, it's like just having some crazed person that is obsessed with you. Wait, uh, yeah. you you're like, why are you obsessed? Why are you obsessed? They're always there. If you actually then move out of their gaze because you're just doing your own thing, if that person's constantly trying to throw pots, pans, you're just doing your thing. You're just like, what an idiot. Like, it's like that. It's like, we're yeah. too looking at it. Like, why are you doing this to me? No, the stance needs to be back. Look at my back. Watch me as I walk. Like, don't, mm. I don't need to face you anymore. And the more we start to, because who knew we were so powerful? Mm. We're, we're actually being able to see this now by like, you guys are relentless at this. So we must be so supreme because why would you care? Once mm. we start to find out what our power is and maybe we'll understand why they're doing this because it will be like, oh, I see. Because we can fly and go to other dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> real talk <laughs> Kanye yeah always <laughs> always so uh, this week is my favourite guy again <laughs> everyone's favourite guy Mr Donald Trump right he was having a press con- conference or some sort um, earlier this week and um, it turns out that he admitted I don't even know or revealed let's say revealed he revealed that he has been taking the drug that he's been talking about which is called oh god hydroxychloroquine yeah kind of yeah. I think yeah, roundabout. Um, this is basically the drug that he's been saying that will help people um, who have contracted the coronavirus. He's saying he doesn't have it, but he's taking it as a precaution. He's just so problematic. He really just is so problematic. Like, my question is, is he lying? Because I, I think he's lying. I think he's a bloody liar. Immediately made me think, what shares has he got in this drug? Um, as he got business in this drug because we've spoken a lot about him being anti-vax and all that type of shit why are you coming out talking about this drug he tried to bring that drug in a time ago and they were like no no no, don't try it allow it it's not proven and now they're kind of like his doctors I think I don't know if that was true but I saw on Twitter someone released a photocopy or something if that was true of the doctor's note saying the doctor's note saying look we had on upon advisement we're not saying it is but there's no harm in it. Basically, the cons out, the, the pros outweigh the cons in regards to taking this drug. It's malaria, um, infamous drug. The thing what people are not, the people that are going to be like, yeah, go Trump, are not probably going to think about is the fact that this man, by all means necessary, 
is going to make sure that he does not get corona to, be, to prove the biggest point to the whole wide world. So he would have tested everyone in his circle, which he's already said, everyone in his circle is tested. So him taking this drug is by the by. Don't mean shit, because already his circles are going to be sanitized. They probably have to walk through bleach and spray and everything before even they get to the bloody room that he's in. He's not going to take that risk and be like Boris Johnson out there coughing and breathing and getting up in hospital. Trump's got a point to prove. So whether it's a lie or not, it's also just dumb because it doesn't make any difference. We already know you've vetted everyone around you. So you're not going to get it because you have the resources not to. I, I don't believe him. I wouldn't be surprised if he does have shares in it that, or some business associate that he's got a deal with because people will get a hold of this. It, but it actually has like really grave effects on your body anyway. Even when you have malaria and you take it, it's hard on you. So my sister's had malaria quite a few times. Um, one time she came back from Ghana and was really sick so she had to go into hospital and was in hospital for like two weeks oh, recovering God, and it's part of the process they give you this and it does zonk you out it zaps your body it's not something that you just take so that's why I'm like okay so either he's like microdosing like he is having the smallest portion of this almost akin to drinking lots of tonic water which is another thing that when corona was first being spoken about it was like you know take tonic water because it had this association with this drug so i i don't believe him that he's taken it but i do think it was another bat signal <laughs> hear me out on the back <laughs> please <laughs> so the the herbal version that the madagascan um, government is promoting that is a cure has similar properties to this chemical version. Maybe he is putting this out there to people and then you start to see the validation in the Madagascar version because <laughs> it's still anti-who. And the Madagascan prime minister or president has already said that the who tried to bribe him with 20 million to take this product off the shelves and all of that. So maybe Trump is like sending spidey signals out. So he's validating the Madagascan president. I really believe now that something's wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Like Trump, like, no, you, you're talking about Trump how I talk about Kanye. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's just not the same. Like he ain't sending out no bat signals and he ain't taking no pill other than Viagra. That's it. He's not taking it. He's not taking it. Like, you can't just take those pills and be, like, bopping around like nothing's wrong with you. You can't... No, he's not doing it. It's all nonsense. It is all rubbish that comes out of his mouth. It is just more gas. That's it. That bat signal, again, is misdirected. <laughs> it's a weak signal because, as we've said before, there's no need for him to go into code land because he blatantly says what he wants to say. There's no need to big up this herbal shit. If he doesn't want, he just will cuss the And the thing is, his thing against who, for me, is not necessarily about, I don't, I don't even look into it too deeply, so I haven't really seen this argument against who, what the whole problem is. But to me, it's always about power and who looks better than him. If it was true, Trump's <laughs> or health organization or whatever, I can imagine that he, like, he could say the same thing exactly what they're saying but because he said it and his appointed people say it they need to agree with it the same thing with Obamacare took it away because it wasn't his idea and then come up with something that's pretty much similar or then 
there's no bat signal. It's, it's a worm signal to the wrong people. It's not no bat signal. I, if he wanted to big up the Madagascan guy, he could. I don't see why he wouldn't. He could do. So yeah, a very fine gentleman, very fine people, the Madagascans, and they've got <laughs> very fine research. So he would do all of that shit. I don't think he needs to do any covert conversations. So funny. I'm going to keep going until he's out of power. I'm going to try and find the good the good in him. Yeah, just you just see too much good in him because there is none. Seriously. One day you may invite me and I'll be like, I've been trying, Trump. <laughs> I've been decoding the messages. Hey, I'm Auntie Nana. You're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. Now it's time for aunties to fix your life with Aunties Know Best. I have a dilemma that I saw on, on Reddit, which stumped me. The long story short is this woman has just found out that her husband had basically stalked her and created their relationship. So he paid a man to kind of break her heart and and he set up like catfish profiles while she was dating so that she became really emotionally vulnerable over a period of time so that he could swoop in and be her man and save her and then he married her. And she has two children. And on a, an evening when his brother had proposed to his girlfriend and he had been drinking, celebrating his brother. And in that, his brother said, you know, I owe all of this to my big bro. And while he was drunk afterwards to his wife, he has spilt the beans of, yeah, I helped, I helped my brother get this girl in the same way I got you and told her everything that he did. So her dilemma was she has two children with him, married, house, everything. What do I do? In one way, I'm flattered that he did all of this. But in another way, I am terrified because he sounds like a lunatic. And she was asking for advice. I mean... Yeah, that's how I was reading the thread. I was silent, like, I I don't even know. Where do you go with that? It sounds like the plot of you, first of all. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I mean, he's not a good guy. Lee character is not a good guy. I would be very cautious and I'd take my children. We're going. We're going to disappear. Because you said, you what? You conditioned my feelings. What? Nah, that's psychotic. Like, if you have to get me like that, if you couldn't just get me on a normal, like, where I'm not broken, then you don't know me then, right? You've just created me in your conditions. And then you made your brother do the same thing. (laughs) No, no way, no way. You're both mad. (laughs) Seriously, you're both mad. So, no, no, it's a no from me. It's a no. (laughs) That is a very, very, very scary scenario because what else has he done? Like, I would be fearing for my life because he's so slick with his shit. He could be planning to kill me for the insurance money because it's not even a case of, oh, we've been married for 10 years and he did this 10 years ago and he's a changed character. Nah, blood, because you did this for your brother the other day. So you're not changing. You're getting better at your shit. No, 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 no. I, I would definitely... 100% 100% have to remove myself from that situation. You, I'm not saying that you can get rid of your feelings straight away, but I'd have to remove myself from that situation and we would have to have some serious therapy. Serious. And even then, I'm scared for my life because 
we've all seen you and that does not end well. This also reminds me of another Netflix show called The Stranger and some shit like that happened. Oh, but the woman was that. like, oh my God, it's so brilliant. You need to watch it. But there was, there was a woman in there and her fiance had basically set her up as well. And she found out. And when she found out, she was like, it just means that he loves me so much. Nah, he don't love you that much. He's sick. He's psychotic. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You don't really want advice. I don't even want a man to want me like that. That's some different level shit. I can see how you could find it flattering. So, yeah, he came across her, um, let's say it's Tinder. So he swiped and he's seen her. And he tried to contact her through there, but she didn't respond because, as she says, he was never my type. But through the, it's deep what he did. He like got in there with her workmates, everything else. But I could see how you'd be like the fact that he saw me and went to all of these lengths to get me to be his wife. And she says he's a good husband as well. That's what she, she thinks. That's, that's what she, she knows doesn't about. know. Sorry, sorry. Can I just, like, this is, that, my point I was just going to make was that the fact that she finds it flattering is problematic. Do you know what I mean? So that's either conditioning of a, it's like Stockholm Syndrome. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you, you, I, I just hate this whole Thing that men can do problematic things and it's supposed to be oh but he loves me oh yeah. but he likes me no this is not cool you don't stalk people you don't create conditions so that they like you like what the hell if you're not her type brother just accept it and move <laughs> on you're blatantly blocking her blessings like do you know what i mean who knows what kind of relationship she could have been in do you know what i mean like she could have been flourishing without this psychopathness you could be a serial killer for all we know we just don't know you're ma- nah he's <laughs> crazy is a, he is a serial killer i bet you any yes. i <laughs> bet you any money yeah if she goes to his old house and checks underneath the floorboards <laughs> or in the or in the walls she will find the first chick that found out about this shit. Do you know what I mean? It's, for him to do this, it's not new. It's like the norm. It's not new. This is some psychotic <laughs> psycho movements. No, it's not the one. It's just not the one. It's scary. How could she lie down at night with this guy? It is scary. He stalked you. He played with your feelings. He made her heart get broken. He yeah. probably reveled in that shit so he could fly in on his white ball. No, 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 no. It's no, no. It's just all types of no for me. It's also like that whole like, oh, let me save you. Get the hell out. Do you know what I mean? Not all women need to be saved, you know? Why do you have to break me down? So I didn't need saving. <laughs> so you got to break me down. So now I need saving. Yeah. And the other thing you is you made, you made a really good point because let's flip the script. A woman can't even leave her fucking toothbrush at a man's house without right. him thinking she's some kind of stalker. Yeah. <laughs> this man went through the thing. Like a woman can't even, fo- if, you, if, if, if a woman phones you and you don't answer and she phones you again, <laughs> your fucking brother got a problem with it. Yeah. You want to call her a stalker and like, oh, she's so needy. And this, that, and the other. This is like, nah. Mm-mm. Again, no. He needs professional. He needs to be strapped up in a cell somewhere. That's what he needs yeah. to be. It's wrong. Yeah. And I guarantee you, if she does some digging, she will find some next things. Them kids probably ain't even hers. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, you know. You don't know. I have nothing to contribute to this. <laughs> I mean, do you know what? Psycho- okay, we, let's make a 
make it serious. Has she got psychological problems? Where's she coming from? What has she been through? Has she been in um, controlling relationships before? Is this why she sees the beauty in this situation? Because there's going to the extremes and there's this madness. So has she got issues that she needs to reconcile with herself? What is she showing her children then about relationships? Do the children know about this? Are they going to find out about this? And what precedent are you setting for your kids to know that, okay, you know what, if a person does this level of extremity, that means that's love. It's, it's an interesting path that she's on. I don't know what, what, what advice does she want? What did, she, what did you want us actually to say, whether she should stay with him or not? That's what she was asking in Reddit. Like, what would you do with this situation? The majority of people were like, this person, like, you need a real plan because if you try and run, he will kill you. Like, Have he you- set it up to such a, a, a degree. Like, she weren't working. It was two small children. It was like, this is somebody that could kill you mm-hmm. and could get away with it as well because... Mm-hmm good at this stuff if he hadn't have got drunk she probably would have never have known and that's what she said he never gets drunk this was the first time that she had ever seen him drunk as well so yeah another red flag then another one mm-hmm. in your whole entire relationship you've never seen your man drunk no, your whole entire relationship throughout your weddings and the births of your children's and your birthdays and your anniversaries and this that and the other you've never seen your man drunk that, then that makes me feel like, is he getting stressed because his other victims are escaping and they're giving him a headache? Like, when he goes to visit them and they're all trying to get at him, so he's stressed, so he's coming home and drinking. But why are you losing control? That means something's troubling your situation. It was, the, it was the celebration of his brother actualizing the plan as well. So it was that his brother had managed to get a few... He was overwhelmed with joy. Yeah, basically. (laughs) And it was the whole thing of, like... So she even says, like, the fiancé that his brother has, again, it's like he's punching above his weight. The brother. Mm -hmm. And she's like... Yeah, she she needs to leave and tell the other woman at the same time, get out while you can. Yeah, seriously. Someone needs to do a welfare check, man. (laughs) You get me? It's a fascinating read if anybody comes across it because I'm sure it's gone viral now. But um, yeah, it's 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 a brilliant story. She goes into much more details. It is fascinating. Right. Hello, aunties. My boyfriend and I have been together for one year. Um, at the beginning of the year, I lent him two thousand pounds because he was in a tight spot. We're quarantined at the moment separately. I live with my mum and he lives with his mum. So we haven't seen each other. Three weeks ago, I asked him about the money. Things for me have been getting tight. And um, he kept avoiding the issue. And then he actually stopped answering my calls. When I finally got hold of him, he said he was rushed to hospital. And of course, I was naturally really worried and upset. It was a short conversation, so I decided to call his mum to see if there was anything I could do to help. And she didn't know what I was talking about. So I'm livid because now he's not answering my calls again. Should I break quarantine to go to his house and confront him? Should she break quarantine to go and confront him? I mean, what does breaking quarantine mean? Because if she's so far... <laughs> I mean, in this, in this situation, what are we really saying here? She's self-isolated. Is he self-isolated? Is there any risk to go and get your fucking money? Go and get your money. I don't know whether that's necessarily the question. What she needs to do... Depends on, okay, how significant she needs the money. Looks like this money's gone. So to me, it's more like, what should she do going forward? I don't think she necessarily could get away, let him get away with it. Putting herself at health risk by going outside to confront him... Consider, you know, he might not be in. 
and he might be there like, yeah, and I'm not giving it to you. What's that, what does that mean? What is, what's going to happen? Have you got like big brothers or big sisters that are going to come and knock him the F out if he acts a certain way? So what is your real plan in going down there? I, I think going down there is a waste of time and risking your health in this climate. She needs to write it off. She's not getting her money back. He spent it. It's gone. She, I know it's two grand. She needs to write it off. What she should do is ring his mum again and bait him up and say, your son took my dough. He's a waste man. And that's it. Write it off. She's not getting back her money. And also what she should maybe do is just let everyone know that he's a bum and a waste man and you took money from your gal and you can't afford to pay it off, but you're flexing on the roads because you know he's flexing on the roads. <laughs> that was exactly what I was going to say. The money's gone. All right, I'm going to call one more time. If he doesn't answer, I'm then going to create a video. And that video, I'm going to put on Facebook and I'm going to produce a Facebook ad. And expose him... <laughs> I'm going to target it to his area and then all of his friends, I'm going to DM it to them and I'm going to put it in WhatsApp groups so that it goes far and wide that this is an official waste man. Uh, sending it to his mum as well. Depending on his mum's reaction, I may do it to his mum first, see how she is. If I can get the money from his mum, because she birthed him, so she may want to just pay it off. I'll tell his mum what I'm going to do in order to expose him because he's taken my money and I need it. Maybe I could get it from his mum. If I can't, then I'm going to expose him properly, thoroughly, like all, all out, like you, will, you can't go out again or you'll give me my money. No, you said Facebook ads, you know? It's just a simple honesty. I don't have it. I'm struggling too. You help me out. I'm so grateful. Da -da -da -da. But to be ducking someone... And then lying that you was in hospital, no, you, I have to out you properly, like, and ruin you for a certain amount of time. V for vendetta, definitely, because yeah. that's what I'll be taking out, I guess, <laughs> 100%. Like, I'll go one further as well. You know, like, when you lose a cat, when people lose cats and they put those posters up on the trees, I would do that shit to him too. I would do that within a five-mile radius. Wherever you go, you're going, there's a tree in it or a lamppost. Wherever you go, I'll put flyers on people's cars. I'll go oh, in. Oh, brother. I'll go in. I'll spend two grand on my credit card to print shit. Have you seen this waste man? Missing all sense of purpose. <laughs> Trust me. I forgot about the bit where he said he was in the hospital. Um, what was the nature of their relationship as well? Why did she lend him the money? Was he a punk from before and she's allowed him, allowed him, allowed him and now he's just, this is not surprising behaviour. I wonder what if she knows his pattern and she still gave him money. Either way, to get rid. And she definitely cannot get back with him. He better not come with no post-corona lockdown sob story to get dick. I hope he's not going to try and be like, here baby, here's 200. I'll give you the rest. Now give me some vagina. No. Because that's another kind of ploy. I hope she's a strong woman. He probably used that money to do a holiday with the next girl. Yeah, probably to treat another girl, for sure. Flexing on the roads. <laughs> Did you not hear me? If this has happened to you, ladies, I, I, I do feel that revenge, it needs to be served out strongly, like a strong dose, so that it prevents other guys. Like, they're like, rah, girls are going on crazy. So it stops them from moving in these shady moves. Like, you have to really go in hard, be consistent, destroy. 
it's quite true because we take we take the shame we take the shame and um men can get away with so much bullshit because we trade on being embarrassed and like oh shit you're right. within the confines of the law obviously <laughs> just, just, just to put that there's no they law do. that says i can't do male drops and stuff like that there's no law that says that stuff that's true i'm not i'm not beating him up you know physically okay. <laughs> we didn't say anything about vandalism if you can get in trouble don't do it reputation is a currency that's why men expose sex tapes because they know that your reputation mm. is currency now so ruin his reputation if you just... know stuff about him expose it that's where you dig somebody and then they're not going to do it again and they I may would... even be like I'm going to give you your money so that you stop this <laughs> like, yeah I'll like, give you your money and then tax them say I want 2,000 more to stop <laughs> <laughs> that's extortion okay <laughs> I was just going to say on the poster it could also say easily identifiable by small penis um, <laughs> what I was going to say that also if he's a guy that's a bit shady dodgy and has tendencies violent tendencies think about the situation like, don't put yourself at physical risk or harm because a bruised male ego is something to be reckoned with. And if he has tendencies, be careful. However, everything else, go on, within the legal. Wow, okay. I'll cut you. <laughs> Farah, please. please. <laughs> it's self-defence if you come at me. <laughs> like, listen, law is law, yeah? I'm allowed to defend myself. Ladies, if a man approaches you in a violent way, defend yourself. That's what I'm saying. True. So, hey, aunties. Um, love the show. I'm 47. I've worked in retail all my life. Since Corona lockdown, I've rekindled my love of baking. I made a batch of muffins, rolls and pastries for my daughter, who's quarantining at her uni. She's since visited twice with orders from her uni friends. I only charge them for ingredients, but it's making me think I could start a business. However, I have no clue where to start. I'm worried that I'm a bit old to take the risk. Please help. 47. It's not old. Well, I guess she's been in retail this time. She's not. And it's about going into business by yourself. And, you know. This is probably the perfect time for her to do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, build up her following and her customers and then go from there. It's the perfect opportunity for her to do that. I don't think she's too old at all. I think she could do this when at whatever age. As long as she can beat an egg, she's good to go. Just make sure you read up on your industry. Just look at like what are the standards. So making sure you're really clear on ingredients, etc., all that kind of stuff and everything like that. Make sure you're not breaking any kind of laws or anything like that. Definitely build up your social. It's so key. Just have that following there and build up like loyal customers. Um, maybe have some sort of reward scheme as well if you get repeat customers to build up your email mailing list as well so ask people to join your newsletter and that sort of thing and, and build up that list but yeah just go for it like you know without specifically knowing what issues you're coming across you're already doing it anyway so just keep going just to respond to um Shade's point i think the way she the way it sounds she didn't go into much more detail it sounds like it's at the very early stages and it's an inkling of an idea that actually this could potentially be a business in response to her daughter's uni peers um responding positively and actually not having a problem with paying for their ingredients to get batches so i guess it's maybe because it is everything that you said but maybe it's just like can she even do it being in retail all this time and all that type of stuff? Maybe it's a confidence boost. She didn't really expand on anything else. Yeah, she's doing it. So that's, the, that's my point. She's doing it already. So just keep going. 
like as long as you do additional research and so I know there's a lot of food pop-up places or delivery services popping up at the moment so you do need to be careful because I think there'll be a crackdown on those those types of things soon um just to making sure that you're within certain guidelines and stuff but other than that like as long as you are just it's about building the audience really building that and making sure that you you kind of own that as well I love the sentiment behind it I think that everybody should have multiple streams of income and being in retail the shape of retail is changing so actually adding another income stream is important because as we've seen it's like you don't know how long this is going to go on for and this is a perfect time if she's home to really start something it's quite simple especially with baking to just get your health and safety and um, get your regulations in place. There's an increase in people doing this, and there's also lots of people who are purchasing online, especially cakes, and because there's so many different virtual parties, it's like a really quick one to turn turn around, especially if people like what you're making. You just start building up those testimonials, especially with the students who have been getting it for dirt cheap. Use them as the foundation base to get all your testimonials in. But definitely now is the time to actually like jump on this and and build up a client base. Go on an e-commerce site, pick Shopify. Shopify has 90 days for free at the moment. So you could build your own website very easily for free. Start putting your, your cakes on there or, you know, cupcakes, whatever. Simple pictures. You just ship it out to people. Get your packaging from Amazing or eBay and all of those <laughs> other sites and literally like r- run into this go go for it like 47 is no age yes thank you dear aunties my husband and i are having a bit of a disagreement at the moment as you know boris has said that children can go back to school from the first of june if they are in certain classes so i don't want my child to go back to school but my husband is of the belief that if Boris is saying it's okay, then surely it's okay. Please help. So I would absolutely not want to be in this situation. Um, I mean, to a degree, it's really like a, a real small degree, but part of me does want the boys to be homeschooled. Now, if I have the capacity to do that full time, I'm still not sure yet, but I also don't think, my husband wants the boys to be homeschooled go, like going forward. So to a degree, I kind of understand the conflict. I do think in regards to this situation that we're in now and sending children back to school for like five, six weeks, when we don't know how safe it is and what they have and they could just bring it back home and I wouldn't do it. I think there's real grounds to actually really dig your heels in and be like as long as I'm going to be looking after them they're staying with me and you can have your your reservations or really want them to go back to school but I feel that they should be at home you know there's certain times where you just put your foot down and you just gotta be like no my intuition is they stay home and when I feel like they should be going back to school that's when I'm going to put them back in school I'm not going to listen to Boris who we don't even know if he's got five children six children or seven children we actually (laughs) don't know how many children this man has he is the last person to listen to for parental education 
any type of advice, he is not the person to be listening to. And he got COVID-19, apparently. Like, why am I listening to him? No. I think that the children stay at home for the rest of the year, basically. Or not for the rest of the school year. I don't know what can be done in that time to really make sure that they're prepared for the next year that isn't already being done. Honestly, I think it's not the sentiment of the people. I think this is, this is more for the government to kind of encourage people to go back to work and that sort of thing. So having that in place. But I don't think, from what I can see anyway, do you know what I mean? It doesn't seem to be the sentiment of the people. And why put your child at risk? As long as there's enough of you within the, you know, in the schools, and maybe it's just like talking to other parents as well of your child's school that um, don't agree with it, then I think you have enough power to say, no, we're not doing it. And there's to be no consequence for it either. None of us know what the world is going to look like after this is over. Do you know what I mean? So there's no guarantee to say that it's going to be completely back to normal or whether this year academically counts in the way that it's supposed to. Do you know what I mean? Like, so why take the risk? So, no. What kind of husband does she have that he's listening to Boris like that? <laughs> <laughs> like, gen- gen- genuinely, because you married someone, I don't know, has he changed his views? Has he become a Boris supporter during the relationship that he so blindly want to listen to him? and not take into account all the nonsense. However, in regards to that, the relationship side of things, how serious is it when you have these kind of disagreements? Is it a thing where it will cause repercussions in your relationship? Or is it an easy, like, I can put my foot down, it's okay? Because she's asking us for help. So I'm just wondering what the nature of her relationship is in that space. Because, I don't know, does she want validation for her point to be right? And it's then, as Auntie Shade says, you seek community with other parents who don't agree and maybe get together a kind of a Zoom call, I guess, because you can't go and meet at a town hall um, or a school hall and have a conversation and just share some more knowledge So and try and win your husband around to your way of thinking because it might take more than just saying, I put my foot down. That might cause a negative ripple effect in the relationship because it, they're not just her children. If he's got a strong convicted argument, what's his reasons as well for saying they've got to go back to school? What, why is he so adamant? For what? Is he going to like, you know, stiff up or get back in there or does he need to go back to work or is it other reasons? So I've been having this debate with myself because I'm a single parent. So my daughter's school has given us the option for her to return to school, but I'm not going to make her go because I just don't feel like, like Auntie Sade said, there's six weeks or so left in the school year. It's just not worth it. We don't, you know, there are too many unknown variables right now and I just feel like I know what we are as adults having to do in order to get back to work and the procedures and the protocol that we're having to put in place in order for us to do that. I'm not sure how they can control, you know, children in that kind of environment. And I do definitely think it's got to do with um, the economics and rather than anything else, it's, it's definitely to get people back to work rather than it being, the children need to go to school for educational purposes. I, don't, I definitely don't think that's, that's the case. But yeah. in terms of what this woman should do, I think that she should maybe sit down and have a proper conversation with her husband and just explain to him her fears and the reasons why she doesn't want them to return to school. Because he's just very much, it's, in the letter, it's just like he, Boris has said it, so he should go. But um, maybe she explains to, to her husband why and maybe highlights the fact that it's not like all 
the school years are returning. So there's something in that, that, you know, it isn't everyone's going back to school. It's very, you know, it's, it's nursery reception year one and year six. Those are the people that are returning. So maybe she highlights to him that there are still obviously some sort of dangers with children returning to school. He might look at it differently, but it is a conversation. But if she feels that way, she has to voice her opinion very, very strongly, I would say. Mm-hmm. And what returning to school is even going to look like? I don't think it's going to be how the Chinese have set up their classroom. Whoa. <laughs> right. traumatising, really. What do you but mean? What have they done? Have you not seen? They, like... they have all the kids in rows, like two metres apart. In one school I saw that you got basically disinfected on your way in. So you get sprayed as you go in. Another one, they have these big hats, so nobody can kind of come into your two-meter space. So you're in like, wow. a big, and they're proposing that, like, say they would <laughs> be five. Why are you laughing? <laughs> sorry, because, sorry, no, because, sorry, a hat. <laughs> it's like a big umbrella. <laughs> like, come on. Okay, cool. Go. Sorry, no, no. Um, so, yeah, the, um, one of uh, my teacher friends was saying that they're thinking that it would probably be like your children are in like groups of three or five. So that's their kind of grouping for the whole day. So you're isolating things. So let's say one of the grouping of the five, like somebody in that household got sick, you'd be able to isolate it to, oh, it came from this batch. Then right. kids all mix in. And then toilet breaks, lunch would need to be packed lunch in the class. You know, it's just, they've been through enough as it is. And mm. when they go back to school, they want to just be going back to school. Mm. They don't want to see this new normal of, I can't even really talk to my friends properly. They're already a bit tetchy about that, like touching other people, because it is like, don't go too close. Blah, blah, blah. And some children really haven't been going out at all properly through this time. Mm. So they're going to really be wild in a school and do we want teachers going through you know just all of it it's like actually let's just chill for a little bit you've already got this open-ended amount of money that you're printing you may need <laughs> to really think of like some more stimulus packages to families like look we can't all just go out to work and then create another like actually lockdown is even stricter like we don't need to do this we can just ease it back they can just go back in September I think she should really just just discuss it properly with her husband like get him with the Chinese classrooms I think it would be cool if parents got paid at least like one parent got paid for homeschool or assisted homeschooling do you know what I mean where they have like a program maybe it's on the screen or whatever kind of thing like each household had a certain you know, standard of Wi-Fi, whatever kind of thing, and that's like rolled out across the country. Mm-hmm. That would be kind of epic. That would change everything. I mean, do they want to change anything? Just to say what is good, though, is that the schools aren't, if you choose not to send your child to school, there are no consequences. So right. that is a good thing. That's like when my, my daughter's uni in the beginning, when it all happened, they were charging them with, if you don't go to your placement, that they were due to, that was scheduled in the year before lockdown then they would forfeit their position on the course and have to redo it next year. And that was wow. horrible. Mm. Um, and they've revised it now, but that was the initial kickback. It's like, come on, you can't put young people through that. Young people and children for these crazy situations. That was Auntie's No Best. If you have a dilemma, please send them to dilemmas.yourauntiescouldnever at gmail.com. 
Hey, I'm Auntie Farah and you're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. And now we're about to take you guys back with Black in the Day. So my Black in the Day, I was thinking about when I first left home and my first place as an independent person. Like, so where did you, was it, was it a flat? Was it a hostel? Like, what did, where did you go? And what was your experience of that very first place that you went to following on from your family home? Mine was a hostel because like, I got to get the, out of here because my mum was driving up the wall with her rules and regulations and are not seeing eye to eye. So um, I think, I can't remember, I think I was 19, 20, 21. I can't remember what age. I remember it was in West. Um, went to, a, it was a foundation called Ebony Sistrum. And I, can't, I don't think the procedure was that difficult. It was a hostel for women. It was in Olympia. Decent room. And it was just my breakout room and that was it I, just, I didn't feel like it was such a big step from what I remember because I was living quite independently at home my mum had introduced rent and stuff like that <laughs> um, she stopped cooking for me and I was doing my own thing so we were living we were like ships in the night so moving out and just getting on with it I don't think and plus my household was just me and my mum so I didn't feel lonely I didn't feel anything I just felt that freedom it's that freedom coming home doing my shit without having anyone and those days, those days there, I used to partake in the marijuana. So then I could just come home and smoke a zoot without having to hang out the window like I used to at my mum's and for fear of getting caught. So, yeah, I don't know. That's my experience. It was a hostel. So I moved out going to uni. I went to Luton Uni. So I was 19 and it was the best thing. Going to uni, I went through clearing. So I was a bit like, oh, I'm not sure. So I took a year out and then decided in that year out that I definitely want to move quite far like I didn't want to go to a London uni and quite a few of my friends were like oh we're going Luton so I knew Swiss Cottage to Luton is quite straightforward one train or a coach it was like half an hour away I was like that's far enough but I know Luton because we used to go there to buy hats so I was like I know the area and everything I'll just go Luton and they had a drama course so I went there I had in my head I'm not going to stay in halls because I want to have my own place. I was just bougie. So it's like, I'm going to get my own flat. I want a one bed flat. I couldn't find a one bed flat. And my friends all found a house and they were like, well, there's a area in the front of the house that you could put your bed. And it was right near the front door. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to do this. So I slept near the front door and I created my room, but everybody walked through my room. And <laughs> that was my foray into like moving out everything happened debt <laughs> credit card got thrown like literally I was so bad at living by myself but I would not change it for anything it was the best thing like uni years and being out of the house was just the absolute best time ever and then after that I moved in with the husband so I wasn't back home for very long before I was back out again so for myself I left home at like 15 just going to be 16 it was the year I was going to be 16 basically but um I was in a hostel system for three years um and the first hostel that I went to was a hostel called Berwick Street um which is run by Centrepoint and you're usually there it's like a short stay hostel um I was terrified absolutely terrified I think one of my cousins told me like 
it was like a dorm or something with like loads of beds and stuff and everything like that but it wasn't like that at all and I I think I mentioned this on one of the shows before like when I left home I stupidly just took my school books like I didn't really bring any clothes or anything like that like so I just had books and they were heavy and it was just like (laughs) what what am I doing so the boys and girls were separate but you could have someone in your room and they might not be the same person every day and I think the maximum stay is like back then was like two weeks I was there for nearly a month or something because they couldn't find a place for me so it was just really hard, like being away from family, even though I was moving from a difficult situation, but even that just not having anyone familiar around me, I was like the youngest and like all these people had seen so much of the world and I just hadn't seen anything, right? And we used to, I remember walking through Soho and there being, what's it called? <laughs> so bad but like actually where the market is so like when the market goes like there used to be these clubs where like I think they were prostitutes they were some prostitutes yeah and they and like my friends (laughs) doing inverted commas here would be like in the mornings because you have to leave the hostel like every morning and then you could only come back in in like the late afternoon and stuff so the whole day you're out they'll be like good morning whores do you have a good fun and all this stuff and I had never never dealt with anything like that in my life and I was just be like oh my god like, I'd be so embarrassed and stuff do you know what I mean and like everyone smoked as well I didn't actually start smoking till a bit later but had I not been around those people I don't think I would have smoked I remember as well like being um I think the police came one time and they arrested everybody but me <laughs> I so I was just left by myself basically so it was just like such a and like bearing in mind I was only there for four weeks but that was like the beginning of like my hostel journey and that was I grew up very fast and like I had to it was a very unique experience let me say that (laughs) not enough time to go into today (laughs) quick question so did you still go to school so I done my GCSEs yeah I think I only missed one and then and then it was summer but it was the year, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a good summer. It was a good year for music. There was a lot of Diddy tracks. Bad Boy were, were great wow. <laughs> that year. Wow. So we all had, we, we had a good, like, I don't even know how to explain it, but it was like an amazing time. But also, like, I know it's not normal. <laughs> like, it just wasn't normal at all. And so I got, a, I don't know, I got to write a book or something, mate. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was yeah. Different. Definitely. You do, you do. Similar. So I went through the hostel scenario to, um, I think I was in hostels for about three years as well, maybe about three and a half years. I think I yeah. went from hostel to hostel. Before I got to the first hostel, I remember I went and was looking at places and I went to one place in Earl's Court. I can't remember what it's called now, but there's one hostel in Earl's Court and it's dormitories and I was traumatised. Like I didn't actually go and live there. They just sent me to go and look at places. So I mm-hmm. went and looked at this hostel and it was dormitories and there was like one shared bathroom and your be- it was bunk beds and I was just like I can't stay there mm. so I remember I didn't stay there but I ended up getting a hostel in Labbert Grove slap bang in the middle of everything and because like I went to school there and I had friends there and everything it was it was like the best experience I missed my brothers a lot because I moved out quite suddenly I was I was 17 when I moved out just nearly 18 when I moved out but it, it was a great experience but yeah I went through all the same shit as well 
trying to get my rent paid, didn't get my rent paid, got evicted. <laughs> but um, my hostel was my hostel was wicked. All the locals used to come around. It was heavy. And there was like a lot of people in the hostel as well from the area. So it was just good. The most traumatic thing about that hostel was the fact that I couldn't cook. So we had to have our meals prepared for us. And it was always like some oven type food. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. So that's, that's one thing I remember. But it was a good experience. It was, a, um, I think it made me doing all of that but equally mm. like you said it was not normal <laughs> it definitely <laughs> it definitely wasn't normal hey i'm auntie shade you're listening to your aunties could never it's almost time to wrap up before we do aunties what's made you sad mad or glad so i am mad at amazon for not reacting quicker about getting this flaming story off i am glad that I'm still exercising and feeling quite fit and healthy within myself but I am sad that my friggin scales are lying to me (laughs) how can I put on technically in inverted commas a whole ass stone but my clothes fit better than they fit before and I feel better I don't feel bloated it's like exercising is a lie it's a lie And the scales aren't lying because I weighed my child and she weighed the same as she did a week ago. And I'm just, yeah, that's made me sad, mad and not even glad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm mad at Tim Eder at Westwood for putting up a fake condol. I'm mad at him anyway, but his recent escapade was putting up a um, rest in peace to tie, um, which I fortunately didn't mention in the last episode. To, um, a brilliant UK rapper who lost his battle with COVID. And Tim Westwood put up a post on his Insta saying, rest in peace, my brother, which caused a fury amongst Ty's friends and fans and all, at, of the like, because Tim Westwood was never a supporter of the British hip hop contingency from an older generation. He never supported and Ty had a really big problem with Tim Westwood and did not like him and was definitely not his brother. So mm. a lot of people, a lot of us were mad and let our feelings be known on Tim Westwood's Instagram page. Subsequently, I'm so glad to have been blocked by Tim Westwood. (laughs) (laughs) In the backlash, what he did was, first of all, he was arrogant and didn't take it down, didn't edit it. He just blocked people that made comments. Then um, when more and more people came for him and challenged him rightfully so, so, because, you know, some of the comments were like, where were you when he was alive? All that type of stuff. Then he changed, because people were saying, take out the word brother because you weren't his brother. So he deleted the word brother. And then in the end, I think that post has been deleted. However, <laughs> um, along with my comments, I've blocked. Many of people have been blocked. And it's quite a refreshing feeling. And I went on, because he's following the British Blacklist page. I didn't realise. And I, I, I blocked him myself because I don't do that <laughs> So yeah, I'm very glad to black, be blocked yes. and block, blocked him Westwood back. Yes. Uh, Block a block a block. Block a block. block, <laughs> block, block. So, um, and I'm so in the so, oh, that was my mad and that was my glad. So, my sad was actually a memorial to Ty went up in Brixton. It was painted by Carlene de Souza, a really prolific um, artist, black woman artist. And um, yeah, it was a really beautiful memorial in Brixton. It's a uh, gosh, Summer Layton Road, I think it is. So, if you're in Brixton, you can see it. A nice homage to Ty, so that made me sad. And also, his friends, some of the people have been doing lives every Friday to kind of remember him and play his music. And 
though it's cathartic and it's nice to celebrate him, it's also sad because he was always an, an artist who felt like he didn't get his reward. And there's been so much outpouring and respect for him and I just hope he's feeling it. So it's just a little bit of um, sadness for the loss of Ty and for the creativity and inspiration that's come out of his passing, unfortunately. But yes, that's my sad. I should have ended on the glad. I, sorry to end on the sad. But yes. It's all right, because mine are all very similar, but just in the reverse. I'm really glad that in his, in his legacy, so much creativity has exploded. And how I process death is like, that's why you're here. Mm -hmm. So it's just a passage of time. Some people are able to experience their fruits while they're here in this incarnation. And some people, it's when you go, but I do really think that the, the love that is an outpouring is what propels you. And I, yeah, I'm just thoroughly proud of him that he followed his dreams and it spilled out to thousands upon thousands of people. It's like how many people pass and have this legacy? It's like, that's amazing. And seeing his memorial go up as well, I was just like, that's what I would love. I would mm -hmm. love to have that real celebration that while I was here my essence touched so many people in so many ways and when I went they were all like oh you touched me I, I know with everything in me when you do that you've done your work here mm, and you're, you're going to somewhere spectacular like he could have a planet a planet tie you don't even know what this does this mm. whole energy that we've all had for his his presence here it's amazing so I was really glad seeing that. I was like, yeah, that's what you yeah. want. He loved Brixton. Now you're on a wall permanently and it's a beautiful piece as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, similarly, Tim West. <laughs> I don't think there is a clout chaser oh. in our generation <laughs> like this man. Oh. A no, there isn't. clout, vulture, sleep, mm -hmm. non. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. just on every level, he is the original flipping virus. Like, legacy of a of a virus, a colonizer. He should be uh -huh. in the dictionary. Colonizer, Tim Westwood, yep. not mm -hmm. Tim Westwood. Like you, he's just been getting away with sleeping with black women, young black women, and he's mm -hmm. flipping in his sixties. I'm sure. Yep. For yep. years, since I was a teenager, this dude has been prolific on yep. the and he was older than me then. His prominence yeah. and his access to our cultural identity, when he adds nothing to it other than cast aspersions, like tries to be lord and, and saviour on black music. Right. This dude just needs to be eradicated in his old age and be destitute somewhere, like thinking I was the man at one time, nipping, licking his wounds. I would love to see that. Can I just get interject that I'm mad that again you raised a topic, tried to discuss it, we're not supposed to discuss it, and we could have talked about it in the freaking show. <laughs> I'm not really sad about anything. Yeah, I'm sad that Tim Westwood is still free. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think he should be in prison for various crimes against humanity and black women. My mad, yeah is that I can't get McDonald's in my area and it's pissing me <laughs> off, man. Seriously, I want to be like everybody else having a bite. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not fair. It's really not fair. And my glad is just a bit 
Yeah, I just like the sun. The sun's out. I'm very happy that the sun's shining and it looks nice outside and I can go into my front garden and just be in the sun. It's a beautiful thing. And that's it. Do hit us up on Instagram and let us know what's made you sad, mad and glad. Wait, before we go, I've got an unpopular opinion and it's a rubbish one, but it's mine. (laughs) I love cheese, Marmite, peanut butter and jam sandwiches. And I'm sick and tired of people telling me my sandwich choice is disgusting. It's fantastic. Have you tried it? No, you haven't. And if you have, put your fists up with me. Who's with me on this fantastic sandwich combination? Cheese, peanut butter, Marmite and jam. You can't possibly no that you made that up. No, right? that's no, that cannot that you made no, that up. Please. No. Okay. If you want to follow the aunties, here's how you can. You can follow me, Auntie AK, on all social media platforms at the British Blacklist. You can follow me, Auntie Nana, on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter at Love Yaya. You can follow me, Auntie Shade, at Shade Salami on all platforms. And you can follow me, Auntie Farah, on Instagram at FarOutProductions77. And that's our show. You've been listening to Your Aunties Could Never podcast, hosted by The British Blacklist. Please listen to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify and other listening platforms. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as Your Aunties Could Never. Please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. See you later.